Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Sex in the Office. Today, we're talking about a couple articles that Andrew found. Yeah, a few different pieces of content that Steph and I went off on from 10 to midnight a few nights ago. And we're like, damn, why didn't we make a podcast while we were... (laughs) Why didn't we record this conversation? So we're going to do it again. So the first is Memoir of a Female Passing as a Man. Really interesting little snippet from... So it's actually a book. The memoir is a book. And Mm -hmm. someone posted on Twitter some screenshots. And it was really interesting. So I'm going to share that. Swiping and Dating Preferences, which is a really thorough, interesting article which then leads to some questions and some data around what that means for women's happiness and how paradoxically women are actually the least happy they've been in 30 years, I think was the data point, which was really crazy crazy and surprising with how much society has progressed. Mm -hmm. I don't know, for women, I would think, right? And then lastly, we are going to talk about Barbie, which Steph has some strong opinions about. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody does, but yeah, anyway, we'll get to that. First, this memoir situation. Some quotes that were pulled from it. I'm just going to read them. I picked out a couple of Actually, you want to read these? You read these, because this will be it'll sound authentic coming from a mm. woman. Okay. Just read all the highlights? Yeah, and there's four there. I think just reading them out loud in narration style is super okay. interesting. I picked out a couple of 20-something women sitting at a table across the room. I gave them a few lingering looks to check their interest. I caught one woman's eye and held her gaze for a second, smiling. She returned the smile and looked away. This was signal enough for me, so I stood up, made my way over to their table, and asked them whether they wanted to join us for a drink. No thanks, one of them said. We're on our way out in a minute. Simple enough, right? A brush off. No biggie. But as I turned away and slumped back across the room towards our table, I felt like the outcast kid in the lunchroom who trips and dumps his tray on the linoleum (laughs) in front of the whole school. Rejection sucked. Rejection is a staple for guys, said Curtis, laughing, as I crumpled into my seat with with a humiliated sigh. Get used to it. That was my first lesson in male courtship ritual. You had to take your knocks and knock again. It was that or wait for some pitying act of God that would never come. So for clarity, this is a woman who is dressed up and looks like a man. And so she is trying to put herself in the shoes of a man in the dating world and put herself through those experiences. Try again, man, Curtis urged. Come on, don't give up so easily. Near our table, there was a group of three women at the bar, clearly friends, chatting amongst themselves. He pointed in their direction. Right there, perfect, go for it. All right, I said, Jesus, this really sucks. Yeah, welcome to my world. I swear under my breath as I got up to go. Curtis crossed his arms and leaned back against his chair, smirking. When I reached the bar, I could see that these women were absorbed in their conversation. I was going to have to interrupt, and the female me knew that my approach, no matter how unassuming, would be perceived as a little pathetic and detestable. Yeah, so every guy who has ever worked up the 
confidence to approach a woman. Every one of these feelings is relatable. But even the first part where she where the girl smiled and said thanks and looked away, I was like, that's totally something I do like on a daily basis. Probably like just that like little smile where it's like, oh, just like smile and say a word and that's enough. Yep. Yep. And so nothing here is like super significant so far, other than it's just really interesting, I think, to hear the woman's perspective of going through this experience as a man. As Curtis and I said goodnight and walked away, I found myself thinking about rejection and how small it made me feel, and how small most men must feel under the weight of what women expect from them. I was an anchor playing a role. I was an actor playing a role, but these women had gotten me gotten to me nonetheless. None of these interactions mattered. I had nothing real at stake, but still, I felt bad. The guys step out, stupidly it now seems to me, into the space between saying something irreversible and frank, a compliment or an outright indication of interest, and most of the time the women step away or laugh disdainfully, and the guys are left with their asses in the wind. That's the sport, and men are the suckers. Pass my test, and then we'll see if you're worthy of me, was the implicit message coming across the table at me. And this from what, and this from women who had demonstrably little to offer. Which is a really interesting comment, right? Coming from a woman to make that judgment. So Pass my test? Yeah, pass my test and, and from women who have very little to offer. And then what mm-hmm. she says next... I found very true. Like in my experience of knowing women, yeah, I'll just, I'll let you finish it because it's this next part I thought was really interesting. Okay. The bitterest women I met were usually in their mid-30s or older. They'd been through the mill a bit and they'd probably had more than their share of hellish dates or hit and run relationships before I came along. To hear them tell it, the pool of eligible, mature, stable, reciprocating, emotionally evolved men out there was small and polluted, and having to wade through it when what you wanted most in life was to settle down and start a family would be enough to shorten anyone's fuse. Then again, many of the women I met weren't emotional giants either, nor were they particularly well-adjusted or stable. They just considered themselves to be such. And even the ones who knew they were damaged seemed to feel entitled to expect stolidity from a man, as if in time honored way in in the time honored way of things, a man is supposed to be strong to hold things together for his woman to hold her up when she can't do it herself. Yeah, so I've definitely found that older, not older, women who are in their mid thirties and. Older reproductive age speaking, which is why it's such a stressful time. Yeah, I'm not saying they're... I'm not calling it right or wrong. I'm just saying that... That energy that they put out tends to... It definitely tends to... I've seen it younger too, but it definitely tends to come out in this mid-30s and up sort of range. And also, to be fair... I really appreciate the attachment theory. And to be fair, the older you get, the greater the percentage of male pool becomes 
avoidant attachment style individuals, which are going to be the type of people who are less likely to be emotionally available, who are less capable of being emotionally intelligent, who are less likely to have dealt with their crap in life. I are you think, talking about certain generations? Or are you talking about people who are just like bitter based on divorce or... Just older men and, and women. The older you get, the more the pool becomes... The more the single pool becomes avoidant people. Because those are the people who have avoided relationships. Where they've got in them, things got too close, things got too vulnerable, and then they bailed. So the older you get as a woman, it is accurate that your pool of men that you're choosing from are more likely to have an avoidant attachment style and are more likely to be what these women said. And so I can see how it creates, in addition to the other things women who are older are dealing with, a sense of bitterness and frustration Mm -hmm. towards the world. And probably even more frustrating when they think about the fact that for men, like it's not fair because men aren't dealing with the same things. Because the older men get, sometimes mm-hmm. they get more socially, considered more socially handsome. Yeah. Sometimes the older men get, or certainly they get they often do. wealthier. Most, most men. Most men get, age better as they so, uh, age more gracefully. So that unfairness can be just lead to the bitterness and, and frustration, but it this whole book is probably pretty pretty interesting so these are just a few snippets of the experience but <clears throat> i think it yeah it it was interesting hearing a woman's perspective of and putting into words all the things that guys feel but i i wouldn't have been able to write all of that out and explain what i go through and what i'm feeling mm. and so, yeah it's like that article was the a similar validation to men as Barbie was to women. Like, I wish they put something more like that in the Barbie movie and made it more clearer to, like, validate guys just as they validate women. But anyway, yeah, we'll get to the movie. But I think that was, like, a healthy validation of understanding and being like, hey, this is what you're going through. Hey, this is what you're going through. Yeah, there was no talking about yeah it seemed healthy it seemed pretty balanced and reasonable mm-hmm. it wasn't an unreasonable take and so that firsthand experience of a woman being in the dating scene also led me to find this article about swiping and dating preferences which is about the gender divides in sex and relationships So earlier this year, the American Perspective Survey collected data from a representative sample of more than 5,000 U.S. adults aged 18 and older. And these are some of the results. There's a lot of data in here, but I'm just going to pick out some of the more interesting things. So one thing that is probably fairly obvious to everyone, 56% of women said they would be less likely to date a man who is much shorter than they are while only 32% of men said they would be less likely to date a woman who is much taller. 
So in other words, men are generally okay with dating a woman who is much taller than themselves, but women really don't want to date a man who is much shorter than them. Mm -hmm. And probably one of the most interesting claims in this article is that no change has altered the fabric of American life so profoundly as the decline of marriage, which is in and of itself there's a lot to unpack there because marriage is an institution a technology technology (laughs) that was instituted that was put into place when you were much more likely to die in childbirth when people only lived into their 50s and so the life expectancy in what was possible for you when marriage became a, a thing, it was just completely different. Life was, yeah. was totally... It was more like a temporary thing. Like it wasn't thought of as a lifelong thing because you didn't live that long and yeah, you did it for a very specific purpose. Yeah, and it, it's, and it served a, a purpose, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you had limited options and life was about work and life was about much more so about getting by and that was your fulfillment was like you was just you know much closer to animal instinct as opposed to the insane freedom and flexibility that uh, a lot of us are afforded now with technology and just the world going in a better direction with health so we built a lot of the foundation of what the American life is on this institution that's like an outdated thing. And we really haven't found a way to think of something new that... That actually works for us now. <laughs> yeah, that actually works for us. And and clearly this isn't working because over 50% of marriages end in divorce. And then when you think... Over 53. And then you're not even counting the unhappy marriages. Yeah. Exactly, which so you're talking over, so you're talking 53% of marriages that end in divorce, and then you're talking what, what's the other percentage of people who stick together and are just unhappy, which is probably a very high percentage. Yeah. So let's just say 50%, over 50% end in, in divorce, and then another 10 to 20%, maybe even more than that. Are Stay people together who are, for religion or finances or, or kids, kids or, or things. So that's seventy yeah. percent of what you might call failed marriages. Probably more, depending on how you. Define, <laughs> right? it's probably, like probably more. Like how many? It's I, I'm I'm when you think about how often when I think about how often I've known married people who are like really truly happy. Like both of them are like you know still in love and enjoying each other's company that's a very small percent i really don't older people i don't don't know anyone and so probably as we get older we'll surround ourselves with those people but what percentage of them will be happy i don't know it's crazy so interestingly a survey found that men in step back one reason for this rise one reason for this is the rise of cohabitation. The number of Americans cohabitating with their romantic partner has more than doubled over the past three decades. 
Interestingly, a recent survey found that men in cohabitating relationships are just as satisfied in their relationships as married men, but women in cohabitating relationships are much less satisfied than married women. Much of social progress was supposedly intended to benefit women and instead ended up benefiting men. Perhaps this is one contributing factor to the paradox of declining female happiness, which is a topic that we will revisit in more detail once we get through more of this data. More young people are single. About six in 10 young men ages 18 to 29 are single. Among young women, a little less than half are single. This appears to be a noticeable increase from just a few years ago. In a Pew survey conducted in 2019, about half of men aged 18 to 29 reported being single, and for women, the figure was 32%. From 2019 to 2023, singlehood among young men increased from 51 to 57%, which is a huge jump in the matter of just a few years. For women, singlehood increased from 32% to 45%. Wow. Nearly 50% increased the number of single women in a matter of four years. That's crazy. Wow. I think especially since Me Too, there's been given a lot of permission to just be by yourself. And that's okay. Like, you see it all over Instagram. Like, just women coming together being like... Yeah, like, I'm just not going to get married, and life is so easy for me. And the other women are like, yeah, me too, I decided not to also. And it's a lot better than dating. There does seem to be a lot of, some bitterness behind the way they explain it in terms of how I perceive it. But, but yeah, there's, like, a whole, like, groups out there that are just like, yep, I'm just never going to get married. I'm just, like, giving up type thing. Yeah. This article and the Paradox of Happiness article goes into that a little bit about that sort of mm-hmm. movement. And it seems like the way you explain it, it seems on the surface that I think some women would, when they say that, they almost say it like, this is my choice and I'm happier this way. Like I prefer it this way. But it, some of the data seems like it underneath it says otherwise, which is really interesting. Yeah. I would think I my personal outlook on it is that it's more bitterness. All right, fuck this. I'm done. I'm over it. I'm just gonna be by myself and to find a way to be happy. It's like they wish they could find a partner, but it's not working out. Yeah, and circling back to the woman's experience who was out in the field dating the memoir, when she would meet older women, women who were mid thirties, mid thirties and and older they that bitterness maybe 10 20 30 40 certainly 50 years ago would have been dealt with probably by just sucking it up because the perception of a woman who is in her mid-30s and later who is single i imagine there would have been a lot more pressure for that woman to be in a relationship, to be married, to have kids. And in a society that has progressed where the pressure is still there, but not nearly as immense as it was half a century ago, gives them the freedom to just say, fuck it. I'd rather do this than deal with the stress and annoyance and disappointment 
of of dating. Yeah. And so even as as a woman when I was like before you came along and I was dating. Heyo. <laughs> Heyo. <laughs> I <laughs> When I was when I would date guys, I would continue dating them, feeling good that I was dating one guy over and over. Not even that we were, we weren't even exclusive. I would just go, I would just be seeing someone once a week. And that felt like a relief for me as a woman because I'm like, "All right, I'm 30, 31, whatever age I was." And I'm like, "Okay, I'm like I'm in my 30s. It's better to be to tell other people I'm seeing someone than to say I'm single." So even though I didn't like the guy and I knew it wasn't going to go anywhere, it was still a relief to be dating him. And it wasn't even exclusively dating, but he was like my outlet. He was like my stress relief outlet so that just that I had to tell people that, oh no, I'm seeing someone. And so that, that way people were like, why aren't you single? Cause I would get that all the time. And, and then I would see a guy and then I'd be like, oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm seeing someone. And they're like, oh, okay. And then it was like, okay, you're okay then you're normal then. I wonder if guys get that same thing, get that same feel. I don't think they do. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of women out there just that are just sucking it up, even today, I'm sure, because that was me a few years ago, just being like, this guy sucks, and I hate being with him, but I'm going to go out with him just to save myself from the humiliation. Yeah, that pressure is just... It's it, fucked up. It, it's... Completely, yeah, as a guy, you, I wonder, I bet at some point it flips. I think maybe once you get into your 40s, if you're a guy and you're still single, all of a sudden you get looked at. Hmm. Like, that pressure, I would imagine, increases by magnitude of order. There's still pressure. It's not to the same extent. Yeah, and that's not there, but... As a guy, I feel perfectly at ease with the idea of being single through my 20s and 30s. Like in terms of the pressure, the outside pressure doesn't really feel like it's I feel like I have a lot of time mm-hmm. and don't feel the need to say that I'm in a relationship or that I'm dating anyone. And in fact, I think there is even a certain romanticize the player in a lot of ways the guy who can get a lot of women and who is has optionality and that's just clearly not the case for women yeah plus it's you can fucking shoot your sperm and make babies at the age of like 90s (laughs) you also have that going for you yeah there's a different kind of pressure that's not there yeah yeah there's that plus like the aging of men is glorified versus women it's demonized it's okay you're less and less attractive the older you get it's just how it is that's literally what we're told through the beauty industry and even just noticing a decline of men's attention as you get I see it I see what I saw noticed being stared at stared at in my early 20s versus now way different way different I was a piece of meat very obnoxious obvious but now it's not the same thing I still notice it but it's not at all the same thing so it's 
Yeah. It's, it's, I think there's things like that guys will never understand. Because we, we feel that. We're like, wait, this used to happen and now it doesn't. Like, what's happening to me? When it's, wait, I'm this age. I can only have babies for this long. Fuck. Am I going to find a guy before I get too ugly? To where society is not looking at me the same way and then I'm not wanted anymore. What's this feeling of not being wanted? And then it's beating a clock because you only have so much time to be wanted. It's intense. <laughs> that is an immense amount of pressure. Yeah. It's a lot. To that end, 43% of young women say that they have no interest in dating compared with 34% of men. This is consistent with other survey data indicating that the majority of women now say that dating has gotten harder in the last 10 years compared with only 39% of men. So twice as many women as men feel it's gotten harder to date in the last 10 years. Which is Wait, also... Twice as many women? Wait, say... Yeah. Women the think majority it's of women say that dating has gotten harder in the last mm. 10 years. The majority... Only 39% okay, of okay. men agree with that, that it's gotten harder. So twice as many women as men, or close to it, something like that. It just says the majority. And which is also interesting because dating apps and online dating, yeah, you know. Yeah, kind of shows the opposite. Like women have the upper hand for the most part. Yeah, and I, I would think because women have their... But also, this also goes back to what women are willing to accept in a man in terms of height. Mm. I think only 12% of men are six feet tall or taller. Yeah, it's crazy. It's and like 12 so, or 14, right? Yeah, and so you have, you know, women who, a large percentage of women who, if you ask them what they need, they're going to tell you six foot six figures and six pack right mm -hmm. like that's mm -hmm. the that's the triad and that is such a small yeah. percentage of men and I think a lot of women don't realize just how small that pool is yeah and also I had no clue the pool was that small. I would think it was so much more than 12 percent in terms of guys six feet and that's just guys six feet yeah that's not guys then the pool gets even smaller when it's guys who are six feet and six and, figures yeah. and fit. Yeah. Like, you are talking about a very small percentage of men who have a very large selection of women. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things about the online dating world is you have women who only want these certain guys. And so that small percentage of men who are over six feet tall... They just get, they get, the, they get, I think it's 80% of the matches. Like 5% of men in online dating apps get 80% wow. of the matches. It's wild. That is crazy. It's really crazy. Yeah. I think women too, just like seeing dating profiles. Yeah, need to get it, need to do like, I don't want to sound... I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but to be putting out there, like, 
you have to be six feet, like the six six six. Some women actually put that in their profile. Like, some oh, women I've seen like, it. Like, some women are like, you, you need to make me laugh. You need to be successful. Like we talked last time. It's just, you can't, what are you really looking for? I think people need to also get their priorities in order. And I think there's like a real true need in society for emotional intelligence to understand what we're actually valuing in relationships. And it just seems so surface level. And yeah, everybody's chasing that 12% that's just can't take care of, can't take care of all women. Yeah, that too. Cut this out. Yes, <laughs> stop Hi, picking. Isn't that bad? Yeah. Sorry. Oh my god. You're like <laughs> 28 minutes. Okay, I gotta remember that. <clears throat> so the next part of this article goes into detail about casual sex and what the author what the author calls the dark triad. These findings, meaning the findings of women feeling dating is harder, majority of women feeling dating is harder in the last 10 years and just under 40% of men feeling the same, these findings might also be explained by general sex differences in response to casual sex. Relationships used to begin with courtship, meeting families, spending lots of time together, etc. And then finally sex. Today, relationships among young people commonly begin with sex, then turn into a situationship, then, quote, seeing each other, then perhaps a discussion about monogamy, then maybe exclusivity. But a lot of relationships don't even go that far. They get stuck in a holding pattern of casual sex, which guys often enjoy. Mm -hmm. Girls don't want to seem vulnerable, so they don't bring up the possibility of commitment and hope maybe the guy will like them enough to raise the topic themselves. Which is definitely not going to happen. <laughs> like, very <laughs> unlikely. And so it's yeah. funny because you and I were casually dating for months before you eventually worked up the courage to ask me, so what is this and what are we and where is this going? And But lucky for you and lucky for me, you had the courage to at least put it out there like that's what you that you wanted something and that you were interested because um you know that started to put us in the direction of of getting together not that i hadn't already been thinking about it to some degree at that point but i don't know how long it would have been until i brought it up and i was perfectly happy with the situation and situationship the situationship <laughs> You were fine with the situation. I was fine I was with not. it. Yeah, I was fine with it. And also, I needed you to be fine with it for the time being or for us to change things so that they did work for you because I had a different philosophy on how I wanted my next relationship to, to start, which was for me to get into a relationship with someone who was my best friend. And so I wasn't really looking to jump right into dating first. Mm -hmm. And... Then especially considering you were in New York and I was in California, I just, I wasn't, I knew I wasn't up for that at that point, but I think I had already decided that I was moving to Austin. So anyways, I think the point in this part is just, it's important for 
women to be honest about where they're coming from with mm-hmm. a man and for a man to be honest in return part of the problem this is a an age-old problem of a man leading a woman on is just that if you put yourself out there and then you're making excuses for for the guy who is setting off all these red flags or not being non-committal but is just dragging you along while he's being wishy-washy it's a guy is either into it and he's clear mm-hmm. in one way or another like he's clear that no I just want a casual relationship or he's clear that he does want a relationship and he makes those intentions clear or the wishy-washiness is like run for the hills because that guy is yeah that guy is not someone you want to be spending your time with yeah even when we had the conversation it was like you didn't tell me what I wanted to hear in that moment but you were clear and then you told me your concerns so you know which was I want to strengthen our relationship and I also we have a time we have a distance problem here that I don't want to get into something serious with you being there and me here so then at least I knew the concerns and then I came up with like possible solutions right away and I was like what if I thought about moving here what if that happened so we were playing the what if game right where I think that most people when they have these conversations they just get upset right away and they let emotions take over where it's just you just don't want to be with me oh my god and then it just they don't look at it like a problem and a solution. They look at it like, oh, they don't like me. They don't, I'm not good enough. Oh, I guess I'm not good enough. And then they turn it into something that it doesn't have to be. I think to have the calm, level-headed conversation we had, although it was emotional and scary, I remember I was like tipsy on wine and I ran away because I started crying and you were like, come back. <laughs> Because I didn't want to share it with you, remember? When we started that conversation, I like ran away. So actually, no, I'm thinking of a different conversation. I'm thinking of a conversation oh. where I was still living in Sacramento, and you called me, or we were talking. Oh, on that too. Voxer. Yeah. That was like the we first conversation. That was, yeah, 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 I'm thinking of the very first one. Yeah, the we... first one where you're like, we need to be friends first. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, best friends first. Yeah. Yeah. And but, yeah. also, and then also, there is the the person who thinks oh, maybe he'll change his mind maybe mm. he just thinks this now but maybe sometime further down the line he'll see it differently or think about it differently or if a guy is telling you that he's in, in very clearly what his intentions are and being honest about that definitely don't you know hope that he changes and, and hold mm-hmm. on to that because then you're just wasting your time yeah yeah, and I definitely expressed to you that I didn't want to waste my time. So, like, when you first told me that, I was like, or how long are we talking to see if we're best friends? Like, what does that mean? Like, how will we know when that's happened? So I was asking those questions, too, because I'm not just going to be like, all right, we'll just wait and see. And then there goes my whole year. So I knew I didn't want to do that either. So, yeah, I think that for both partners to speak up and speak up in a way that's calm and loving and just thinking more in terms of problem solution because I think it's really easy to get hurt and defensive in these conversations yeah 
Moving on, as the author Louise Perry has written, we see young women advised to work on overcoming their perfectly normal and healthy preference for intimacy and commitment. Guides with titles like, here's what to do if you start, quote, catching feelings, and how to have casual sex without getting emotionally attached. But a 2022 study found that after casual sex, women on average report high levels of loneliness, unhappiness, rejection, and regret. Mm -hmm. This is funny. Conversely, men report higher satisfaction, (laughs) happiness, contentment, and mood improvement. (laughs) Post-nut clarity. (laughs) All this being said, I know several young men who have disclosed that they too often experience remorse and loneliness after casual hookups. There can definitely be a sense of emptiness after casual hookups on both sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. As a woman, when I was having casual sex, it really does, like you and I, when we were talking about this the other night, talked about, like I mentioned the power dynamic of how women have more power seemingly before sex. Men have it seemingly after sex. And then once they're in an exclusive relationship and married, women tend to regain power for the most part. So I think I felt as a woman having casual sex that I did lose power after I gave myself away sexually. And it was like, it was fun. And it's not like I always regretted it, but there was always a tinge of regret because it's, now he has it. Now it's going to be harder to like, keep it going and I can't like taunt as much I can't tease as much I can't be I don't have the same power it's just yeah it's loss of a power trip I definitely feel that (laughs) I keep playing with my pants and Andrew's mad at me because he thinks it's making noise (laughs) okay I'm gonna stop I'm gonna stop I'm putting my legs down Relative to men, a larger percentage of women say that not being able to find someone who meets their expectations is a major reason they are single. Interestingly, college-educated women are more likely than non-college graduate women to report difficulty finding someone who meets their expectations. Which makes sense, because if you're a college-educated woman, and there are more of you in in society than there are college-educated men, then you are going to have a higher expectation of who you want to end up with. And that pool is going to be smaller. And as young men continue to drop out of education and the workforce, educated and successful women will find it increasingly difficult to find a decent male partner. Let's see. So this article goes on and on, but the gist of it is people are getting married later or not married at all. Women have quite different differences in their dating preferences. And there is a more common commonly accepted amount of sort of casual sex and sex taking place before 
courtship and relationship and women feeling less comfortable sharing being vulnerable and sharing that they want something more and all of this I wonder what came first like more sex before becoming exclusive or is it it's they're having such a hard time becoming exclusive that they're just having sex because they can't find partnership it's young people who are having more casual sex. So I don't think at that point you've mm, thought... There's not as much pressure. Either. Yeah, I, my guess would be it's much more likely that it's just simply socially more, much more socially acceptable for a American-born woman who is born into a certain culture to have more casual sex. And, and therefore and less pressure to hold off and hold out. And so the one of the conclusions of this article that I tend to agree with is that the pendulum has swung pretty hard the other way compared to what was socially expected 50 years ago. And that on one hand, you have the prude conservative woman who is not going to give it up and who is conservative in her values. And then on the other hand, you have the openly sexual hippie who can just have sex with whoever she wants. Like these are these two just like ideas of of an archetype you might have in your head. And I think what ends up happening is a healthier meeting in the middle where women can have this sort of what you might call like fun hippie-ish side to them that at the same time is not so progressive in her sexual life in terms of having sex so so casually because clearly it's there's some aspect of the cohabitation of having more casual sex that is playing a role in women being less happy the least happy they've been in 30 years you just wouldn't think that would be true if all this if all the pro, you know everything about progressive society and what women can do and are what women can do and are no judge less for, no longer judge for. <clears throat> so using data across countries, this is now the article on the female happiness paradox. Using data across countries and over time, we show that women are unhappier than men in unhappiness and negative equations, negative effect equations irrespective of the measure used. Anxiety, depression, fearfulness, sadness, loneliness, anger. And they have more days with bad mental health and more restless sleep. Women are also less satisfied with many aspects of their lives, such as democracy, the economy, the state of education, and health services. They are also less happy in the moment in terms of peace and calm, cheerfulness, feeling active, vigorous, fresh, and rested, 
However, prior evidence on gender differences in global well-being metrics, happiness, and life satisfaction is less clear-cut. Differences vary over time, location, and with model specification and inclusion of the controls, especially marital status. When, yeah, actually, that's pretty much it from those two articles. So it just seems to be that um, the current dating situation is not lending itself to people creating a life for themselves where they're happy or and or they're and that is that's obviously that's a multifaceted that's a multifaceted problem to tackle and there's a lot of layers to that one would think with society progressing with technology with optionality things would get better and in many respects of life, that is true, but there is a, seems to be a lack of fulfillment, a lack of ability to make a life with a partner that one is. Well, I think enjoying. when it comes to relationships, especially like technology doesn't, probably does more harm than good because it's just our attention spans can only handle so much and the way we start thinking is like all right i'll just find someone else i'll just find someone else and men more so having that mindset of like all right i'll just move on like it's fine i'll find somebody else to into that's that that seems to be the case so i have a friend who she did her master's thesis on factors that played the biggest role in people deciding to break up and what she found was in cities around the country where the there was a larger percentage of the opposite sex so let's say you're in San Francisco where there are I don't actually know what the percentage is. Let's just say it's 45% men and 55% women. You are much more likely as a man to confidently leave your relationship because when you look around, you see a large dating pool and a lot of options. Mm. So the more options you think you have, and the more you think the world is tilted in your favor to find someone else, the more likely you are to leave your partner. Mm-hmm. Which makes a lot of sense, right? Because when you hear the opposite of that, I'm afraid to leave, I can't leave my partner even though I'm unhappy. Often an excuse is, it's the best I'm gonna do. Who else am I gonna find? For whatever your situation is, your psychology is, if you don't think you have many options out there, you're just not going to leave. Mm-hmm. If you think you have a lot of options, you're much more likely to leave. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But I think 
besides that, I think it also makes it easier for cheating and yeah, just bringing other relationships back into your life when you don't want to talk about things. And I think a lot of people have a hard time talking about things. If I know anything about my work, it's that people can't have direct conversations. They just make assumptions, chronic assumptions all the time. Even like talking to a guy yesterday, I was trying to give him some advice in the direct messages. And I was like, yeah, just tell her X. And he was like, yeah, thanks so much. I'll hint at it for her. I'm going to hint that. And I was like, no, don't hint it. Tell her, don't hint it. And it's just, like, there's so much, all right, I'm going to try to give her hints. I'm going to try to see if I do this and we'll see what happens. I'm like, how about you just say the thing? Like, how about you just tell her? Like, people are so afraid to just say it. And I think that's one of the biggest things that's making dating such a struggle and people staying together such a struggle because they're just not being vulnerable. Not even vulnerable. They're just not direct. Some of this isn't even about vulnerability. It's just like, put it out there. It's not even something that has to do with your character or your relationship falling apart. It's not like a scary thing to just say, but people have a hard time communicating in a way that's like that. Yeah. The lack of communication, and I've been there. I, in particular, when I, prior to me taking the bull by the horns in my own life and having all of what I perceived as the most difficult conversations that I had been avoiding, in some cases for years, prior to unburdening myself and having those conversations in a very short period of time, 100%. There are just certain things, certain conversations I just didn't and wouldn't have. And I think for every person, there's probably a certain type of conversation or thing that they are un- less willing or unwilling to be vulnerable about. For me, it was I didn't... I would, The thing that made me the most uncomfortable was admitting that I had done something wrong or hurt somebody else and admitting that kind of fault about myself because then something was wrong with me and and people would perceive me as like some bad person Mm -hmm. and eventually I just got over that and realized that I make mistakes like everyone else and I shouldn't judge myself so much for it let alone worry about other people judging me for my mistakes but I think everyone has a certain thing that for some reason just makes them uncomfortable to talk about. Yeah. But I, what I see in the men I work with and who reaches out to me is it's more than just one scary thing or like just the scary things. It's like also the not scary things. Not scary to who? To them? No, like it's just... Like- or not scary to you because maybe it is, if, right? Because... It must be, there must be something about them just being totally forthright that makes them uncomfortable. Maybe scary is not the right word, but otherwise, what reason would they but have? But even, no, say an example would be like asking her more questions about, like about her day or about things going on in her life. Like something, and they'll just be like, so things are good. That's what they think is the conversation. That's the type of question they ask, like a very general question that's not 
but it's not scary for them. Like what I'm saying is it's not, it doesn't feel vulnerable for them to ask her more about her life and seem more interested in her life. Because when I say, can you, do you ask her about that? I really could do that more. That would be nice if I did that. I'm like, yeah, it would, right? It should probably make her feel more connected to you. You really care. You've been listening to things going on in her life. And they're like, yeah, that would be great. And then next time I get on the call, I'm like, so did you ask her? And he's like, yeah, I said like, how have things been? And I'm like, so did she? And she just said good. And I was like, that's it? That's, that's what you asked? I'm saying even in conversations that are not necessarily scary to these people, they don't understand the concept of direct communication with intention behind it and trying to make meaning of it and get something from it and keep a flow going. It just seems like conversation in general and communication in general is just very bland for most people and very generalized. Like people aren't even asking like specific questions. You know what I mean? Interesting. What is that? Just like a complete lack of curiosity? I think a lot of it is lack of curiosity because I do find myself just saying, be curious. Like I say that all the time. Um, but I, maybe it's a lack of curiosity due to fearing an answer or something. Like, But it's, it's interesting when it's around stuff like that, that they're like, yeah, I really should do that. And then they go into it all wrong. And I'm like, do you get why that didn't work? Or like why that... <laughs> So I'm like, wow, they really, out of all the things in school, you'd think they'd have communication skills. <laughs> I think it would just save so many problems because I just see what people are doing. And I'm like, ah, oh, the tiniest tweaks could help this so much. And then like, how can you have vulnerable conversations if you can't even have normal conversations that bring you closer to someone? Yeah. How can you talk about the hard stuff if you can't talk about the okay stuff? Crazy. It is crazy. It, communication is so vital to our ability to survive and thrive in the world when everything is about interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Our whole lives, like friends, family, partner, coworkers, so much of it comes down to communication. To be incapable of communicating effectively is just such a what a thing to hold you back and to make life just so much more difficult than it has to be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I really think there's the simplest skills that, cause I see it. I see what I do with my clients, like how I teach them. And then they, it, things change so much. Like I had a guy reach out to me yesterday and he was like, cause I was talking about talking to, I was saying most men just give up when they don't get more, the amount of blowjobs they want. They just, if they're un very unhappy with the amount of blowjobs they're getting in their relationship, they just, they ask her this, they ask her and then eventually they're like, all right, I'm just never going to get what I want. Like, I'm just going to give up. It is what it is. Like, it sucks. Like, I'll never get a blowjob again. And they just settle for that. So I was like talking about that in my DMs. And then this one guy said, well, most women aren't understanding to the point where they actually care. So we have to give up. And I was like, okay, but... And he was trying to make it sound most women are like this, so we have to be this way, and there's no way to find a solution then because she's just shut down. And I'm like, yeah, but you guys try the same solution every time, and you don't try anything else, and you're just like beating a dead horse. And <laughs> no pun intended, but <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> yeah, 
man, that's gross. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> no, I didn't mean it to be that gross. All right, we need to take that out. <laughs> that's staying in. No, you know what I meant. I meant like beating. Yeah, not, okay. I didn't mean okay, to follow just, through with that part. The is the joke. Just okay. The anyway, what was I even saying? Oh yeah, so I was like, you're just. You're using the same solution every time. And of course, and yeah, that's not gonna work if you keep trying that solution. I was like, but what I see with clients is I have them try different solutions with their wives who aren't giving them BJs or having sex with them. And then all of a sudden they start having more sex and getting more BJs. So what does that say? You do, just by being the man, by changing your actions, you can change her responses. You don't have to like have some open, willing partner who's just sitting there with her mouth open waiting. <laughs> you just have to know, hey, there's a bunch of different tactics I can try. Let me try something else. Cause I've tried this 50 times. It didn't work 50 times. Let me try something else. And then when you do, and you actually listen to your partner and then try something that aligns with that, it works. It just mostly, most of the time it will tend to work unless you have a very shut off partner who is totally unwilling to meet you anywhere but yeah mike drop <laughs> okay let's wrap this up and okay. talk about barbie which i don't have particularly strong feelings about i just found it to be entertaining i do understand it was a pretty i can see how there's a lot that can be taken from the movie in terms of the points it was trying to make in terms of the balance or lack thereof and I definitely I think one thing that it one thing that any movie that tries to make a statement about something is that it can talk about things that are supposed to be a reflection of what society thinks and in this case what women in our society think and I think it that is tough because it can lead to of course not all women feeling that way and thinking or wanting to think that way such as one of the things in the movie that was there's a very small this is one line in the movie but one thing that stood out to me was when one of the women had a line that said they don't want to or they want to make decisions there was some line in there about no there's one woman like oh i love having a man make all my decisions for me and it was when she was brainwashed and they're like oh no and then they unbrainwashed her that was it and it was that stood out to you yeah because it was ironic to me that in my life the women i've mm. dated have wanted me to make decisions for them myself you know, included yeah like <laughs> Me being like, so where do you want to go eat dinner? What do you want to eat tonight? What do you... A lot of it's food, actually. <laughs> <laughs> or where do you want to go... Like, just decisions in general. I My experience has been that women generally want to be led. It doesn't mean they want to be told, do this thing yeah. you're going to do. Not ordered, Not ordered, but led. But led. Yeah. And so that was something that was obviously to me incongruent with my experience of just women in general the women that i've come across in particular in a dating sense but i know you have i mean that same part 
triggered me because I am a woman who really appreciates my male partner making decisions. And you were saying, it was at that point or another point where you actually, there was a, a small part of you that almost felt like there was something... Like an immediate shame. Yeah, like shame because you didn't agree with some of the things that they were talking about that was supposed to be a reflection of like feminism and how women should think. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I think it can be unhealthy because it's, okay, so all of us have to be leaders. Like all of us have to be like not want men to make decisions for us and otherwise we're not empowered and we're not strong. That's just, that doesn't, that's not right. Even when she, even when America kept talking at Gloria in the movie, kept mentioning, we want to, maybe we just want to be moms and blah, blah, blah. Not all women want to be moms either. And there were a bunch of mom comments. And I just felt like it was creating this caricature of here's what a woman should be. And leaving out a lot of women who it's like, where I felt left out in a few ways. And I just like, yeah, that one part especially just made me feel like immediate shame. And then I was like, you know what? No, I really, I think it's smart for a woman to feel drained to when she's feeling drained and just fatigued and want it, or maybe know she doesn't have the best answer, but her partner is skilled in that area. Why would she, wouldn't a smart woman ask the person who is more skilled or more quick with that response if that's what she needs in that moment? There's nothing wrong with asking for help. Just I think it's really important for men to understand. It's just important for you guys to ask for help when you need it. That doesn't mean you're less of a man just because you need help. Sir, or you need help making decisions. But I don't know, especially as a woman who really enjoys that. I didn't like that. I also really didn't like the how the whole monologue started with it's impossible to be a woman today. That made me cringe and feel embarrassed for all women. That line, just the like fact, that victim mindset. Yeah, it was just like, holy shit! If I have a, if I had a daughter, the last thing I would want her to hear is that. And I'm just thinking. I immediately thought of all the little girls in the theater that were watching that, and I was like, fuck. And I just like immediately felt they're gonna hear this and believe that that's true, and it's not. And that was the emotional part for me. Like all these women are like, I got so emotional from the monologue. And like, rightfully so though. Like I'm not making fun of anyone, but I didn't get emotional from the monologue. I got emotional being angry at that first line because everything that comes after that just sounded like complaining and victimhood because it started that way in my perspective. You start, there was such an opportune moment for such a powerful speech and that's how they started it. And that really upset me. Because it's not impossible to be a woman today. And we're capable of huge, amazing things if we stick together and if we believe that. And for you to actually believe that it's impossible to be a woman today, you're not going to do big things. You're not going to believe that you can. And there's little girls that are going to be sitting there like, oh, yeah, it is. Wow, that's this sucks. Like, when maybe they didn't even think that. We're just feeding them this idea. And I do believe it's... It was nice to be validated for just, just like you felt validated reading that article as a man. A woman was able to see the rejection that a man sees and experiences. So it was nice to be validated for, yeah, all the shit that we have to put up with in terms of 
ruining our bodies with childbirth and then like having to be pretty like the next day and like having to like age gracefully when our bodies just don't the same as men and like just like the getting paid less than men like all that stuff yeah it's fucked up and there's so much pressure around it so it's nice to to be validated for that but I just really like cringed at the way that it started yeah that was not fun to hear in my opinion and then I also something else that pissed me off (laughs) something else that (laughs) pissed me off was when they made the Kens stupid and the men were idiots in the movie, which makes me upset because why do we have to dumb down men for wit to show that women are smart? That's the message that showed me. And what would really show feminism and what would really make me feel proud to be a woman watching this movie would have been if the men were fucking really smart. And the women were telling off the guys in an intellectual, emotionally mature way. That would be badass. If Barbie was like in a calm, cool, collected, like emotionally mature presence comes up and tells Ken something he needed to hear, like, bam, like, that would have been like, oh shit. But these Kens were fucking idiots. Like, so it's like anything you said to them, you're smarter than them. So it just felt like to me, like, so we have to make men look dumb so that we can look smart. Like... I think in that instance, so a lot of the movie is just hyperbole. And I think in that instance, it it was more of like maybe just flipping the script because in so many movies, historically, women women, are dumbed down. Yeah, women are dumbed down. That's a good point, yeah. And so I think that was just like an easy way to, an easy way to flip the script. And it was funny. It also just made a lot of the movie really entertaining it was funny that did that is where most entertaining you laughed <laughs> it is where most i laughed at what's his face elf elf the character oh, oh. what's his face yeah. oh, are you kidding will ferrell oh my god will ferrell okay <laughs> he was hilarious but i laughed at the movie and then i didn't catch that until after the movie i was like wait why were they all dumb <laughs> and then i got really upset but yeah I guess like it makes sense that's it would also just threw me off was like this movie was so open to interpretation in so many different ways which is which arguably is, art right that's just yeah and I'm like that could expression. be yeah like a just way for yeah see what you want to see type thing and I obviously <laughs> saw a lot of Saw a lot of red. Saw a lot of red, yeah. I saw a lot of red. I saw, I'm glad that they did a movie showcasing this. I think it's really important and it's about time. I'm glad that there was a movie out there to, but I just don't, I just think they could have done it in such a clearer way to reach the men who actually have to understand this message. I think it was just, there were so many unfinished stories it seemed things on the sidelines that there's just so much stuff it was like very distracting with the old woman and then the other old woman and then this the mother who had depression and suicidal thoughts and they never really talked about it again and then the daughter and her were having problems and they didn't really talk that through there were a lot of stories that were just like feeding into this big story and it's 
wait, but what happened to that? What was... Yeah, I mean, there were certainly some flaws in the movie, but I think that it was, for me, it was really entertaining, and it reached an incredible number of, of people because of how just well done it was. So, I don't I liked it. I would watch it again, and I would recommend other people watch it. Yeah, maybe don't take your daughters who are going <laughs> to learn that being a woman is impossible. And can you just that hold their them. ears during that part? <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought it was really good. And I also, it. I know there's also a lot of. I know there's also a lot of women because I was looking through a lot of TikToks after, just to see what have been saying and thinking about this. And of course there are a ton of women that are like, oh my God, the monologue, I got so emotional. And then there are women who are like, I feel like something might be wrong with me because I didn't get emotional at all. And then I'm like, me too. <laughs> so it was good to be validated even in that sense of like going on TikTok and being like, with me, like, what's wrong with me? Every woman is talking about the monologue and like freaking out about it. And I'm just like, I don't get it. It's just, yeah, we have our shit. Like, why do we need a monologue to like, I don't know. I don't know why women were so emotional about it. I don't, it's not resonating with me, which kind of creeps me out because I'm thinking sometimes I do get in my head about being way too, way too. Pro man. Pro man. <laughs> yeah, just working with all men every day and trying to find the good in men every single day and trying to fight for men. And help them and yeah so I think I just had too much maybe of a biased opinion going into the movie and just like going in with a protect man shield knowing that it was like gonna have some stuff in there but yeah but the monologue just like, did not emotionally touch me at all except for that first part where I got mad but I do also believe and I wish that more movies, and hopefully they'll do more movies like this, but in the future, I do wish that they would be more based on equality versus men versus women, which it always seems. Feminism, the, the whole feminist movement just seems to be like men versus women. And it's like, okay, well, you did this to us for this many years. Here, now it's our turn. Let's get back at you. And it's like, why can't we just get along <laughs> like, yeah. why can't we just live peacefully together I just find that like going back to the decisive part the decision making like I do believe men and women are different I do believe we have biological differences like you and I were talking about the other night where there's been research that men are more capable to mentally zone in on something for long periods of time for long periods of time and women are known as more natural multitaskers because we have children and we're very like, we can pay attention to a lot of different things because we're naturally built to be able to handle a child and this and that at the same time. So it's, we do have biological differences too. So it's, I think that's what's so beautiful about being with someone, whether you're homosexual or heterosexual, like finding the strengths in your partner and using the strengths in your partner to improve your life and improve each other as a team. There's, you could still be independent, but also have your partner make decisions for you and 
or help you make decisions. And or if, make decisions Or make all you. decisions for you. Yeah, like whatever you want. Like that doesn't make you less of a man or less of a woman. And yeah, I just know that there's now a Snow White movie coming out where she's not, there's no prince involved and she's like striving to be this leader of something. And a lot of women are getting pissed at it because they're like, why do we all have to be leaders now? Like, what if we don't want to all be leaders? Like, what if we do like princes? And they're bashing all the Disney princesses when really there's so much strength of character in all these Disney princesses. If you really look at the independence, independent nature of these princesses and the things they do and like how they, how, you know, Ariel goes off on her own with a curiosity and doesn't just get brainwashed into what she's told. She seeks adventure and curiosity and tries to figure out a way to be with this person who she cares about. She's actually taking her own independent route to get to this prince, but no one's talking about that stuff. They're talking about, you're like, oh, you need a prince? No, you don't. And it's this whole message of forget needing a prince or needing a man. You don't need him at all. Just fight, be a leader. And there are just so many women who naturally that's not what we want. And it's just creating a lot of, yeah. I'm just curious where this is all going to go, especially after this Snow White movie, but... Well, I think the pendulum is just swinging hard in a different direction than it historically has, and eventually it will come back to the mean. I know. I just wonder, what does the mean look like? A healthy balance. Mm. Guess we'll see. I would like a healthy balance. You just, I think there's just clearly there's a lot of pent up anger about how women have been viewed and treated historically. And when I say historically, I mean, it feels like it's really only been the last going on 10, 15 years that women have felt to be moving much more quickly in the right direction in terms of fairness and equality. Yeah, but we're not as happy. I know that it's a paradox, right? It's really, that is interesting. And so that's why I think that there will be a swing back to the mean, back mm-hmm. to the middle. Where it's, yeah, you, it's like in San Francisco, they've tried to swing the pendulum hard towards a highly, like the most progressive law an order system of people giving people a minimum amount of of money and then uh, if they're drug addicts giving them clean needles to do it with so they don't do it with dirty needles and if people steal something if it's not more than 60 bucks worth of stuff then they can't be prosecuted for it and like just absolutely fucking insane things that don't make any sense but have been voted in and accepted because of these progressive ideals, and it's clearly not working. San Francisco is, yeah. there are certain parts of San Francisco which is just absolute shithole, and San Francisco is really struggling right now as a city. It has not bounced back the way New York City has, the way a lot of cities have, and a lot of that has to do with the crime and their justice system there, and 
you're starting to see people who are like, what are we doing? Like, why are we continuing to do this really? Okay, we tried that. Okay, we get it. Like, you wanted to try all these, like, things that we thought might work and get rid of the old system. But, like, some of the things in the old system clearly were beneficial for us. And so eventually San Francisco will go back to the means. So I think that's just the natural way that that everything works. Yeah. Yeah. Just an interesting time. Yeah, it always is. Interesting time. Especially, yeah, it always is, yeah. We're always at one phase of that. The loop that keeps going. What loop? Like, how everything is just, what's it called? I can't think of the name of it. Like, world. Like, the whole concept of strong, weak times make strong men. Strong men make weak times. Weak times. Weak weak times. Yeah. Like, where every, things come back around. Weak, strong, weak, strong, weak, strong. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's also like confusing for me a little bit as a woman who is, who does strive for independence. I'm like half and half and I seem like very one-sided, but I'm, I want to be self-sufficient. I want to make my own money make a lot of it. And I want to be really successful and I also want you to help make me decision, <laughs> make decisions. And I also want to be, for the door to be open for me and for you to bring me home flowers and tell me I'm pretty. And like, I don't know. I feel like I want both. I feel like I want. Yeah, you want the ability to be independent. You enjoy your independence, especially financially. But I also really like when you pay for dates. Like, that also makes me really, like, happy and taken care of. Like, I like being taken care of, but I also like taking care of myself at the same time. Yeah. I like both. Yeah. I just feel like there's no room for both. There is no both in the Barbie movie. Yeah. There's just a lack of nuance. Yeah. So I just feel... I, I guess, like, overall, I didn't like it because I didn't see myself at all in it. So that was disheartening and confusing for me. Where I'm like, where am I in this movie? Like, Where is... What's... <laughs> Stephanie. Barbie Stephanie. <laughs> There's no Stephanie Where is black all the time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I want to make my own Barbie. <laughs> Are you sure after that movie? <laughs> yeah, no, maybe not. <laughs> Barbie with little boobs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. Good chatting with you. I hope you found that data interesting, as interesting as we did. Until next time. Bye, guys. <laughs>